Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place, and this is Agents of Shield 100th episode as well. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other joined by your other host, Jared. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I'm, we are three episodes ahead of the show because I think we've had five non-episode episodes, but we've yeah. also combined a couple, like where they've been, you know, a two-parter. So uh or back-to-back thing. So uh yeah, we're just a little bit ahead and we're just about where we should be at two years old and we're like a month older than two years old when, when it'll come out, when our next episode will come out. So we've done a pretty good job. We've, we've only missed a couple of weeks overall and and uh, I can't believe it's been a hundred episodes of this thing. Like, I know. <laughs> That's so wild. I think me and Abby, we've been... Uh, Last Beautiful Town has been going for a little over a year and we're at episode like 30 something because we like record like maybe every other week. <laughs> and even then that's like, mm, that's real sketch. <laughs> like, we're like, I'm going to help day. <laughs> it, well, most of the year, <laughs> I would say most of the year that you guys have been recording has been in, I, I, I want to say the apocalypse, but like with everything that's happened just in the last week, it's like, I guess, pre-apocalypse, it feels oh, like at this God. point. Like, we're just gearing yeah. for it to get really bad. Also, there's been, like, no Star Wars content, really. You do get Mandalorian like, coming like, up, although trailers. that's all tainted with yeah. people. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 At, at, the, at least. And maybe uh, Rosario Dawson. Oh, no. I forgot about her. I really hope that shit turns out to be bullshit. It still hasn't been yeah. 100% confirmed. And usually... It is by now. If if it's yeah. happening, if it's happening, yeah. especially if we're happening this second season, I think we would know. I don't think they'd be able to keep that in, under wraps. But then again, Dave Filoni's involved, and he loves that keeping under wraps shit, and he loves his Ahsoka Tano. So if if friend. anything, yeah, if anything was going to be a secret, it'd be that. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the expression I'm thinking. Like, I do not want. I I I like Mandalorian. Don't fuck it up with transphobic people and Filoni mm-hmm. Filoni over Filoniing it up. Yeah. The amount of Filoni has been just fine in that show. It's been, yeah. it's been the right amount. <laughs> yeah. That you can tell the episodes that he has written uh, and we'll leave it at that. Um, also <laughs> there's um, on Disney plus there's like uh, some kind of like documentary. About yeah. Like- so I only watched the first episode about like, it's about Mandalorian and, and at least as far as I no, I think there's more stuff now. But um, the first episode was about all the directors and all the writers that were on the show. And he was like the focus of this first episode. And he just like would not stop talking. And he's like the least qualified out of anybody at this table to like be helming a show. Like everybody else is like a person of color and has vastly more experience directing, writing, doing everything. He just kind of got lucky. And just was in the right place at the right time <laughs> and is just totally did that whole like white dude like connection shit instead of actually like like having these like opportunities to like create real like meaningful art uh and, and <laughs> at it <laughs> like well uh, <laughs> I, 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 I hate I, I hate it so much but like the people who got him to do the job they got him this job essentially the guys who created Avatar, uh, Brian Konetsko and Mike yeah. DiMartino, they're white guys who I think I think more than like fetishists or appropriators are, I think, people who actually care about other cultures, you know, like, like and, and they've tried to improve 
their own behavior over time. Mm-hmm. And like so much so that they literally walked away from the recent Netflix adaptation yeah. of, of Avatar because they were going to do a lot of the same, I think, mistakes that, that uh, whatever owns Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, whatever the whatever the parent company, Paramount or whatever, did, yeah. did with, with the film. And they were like, we're not going to be a part of this again. Like, come on, yeah. man. And they stepped away. It's like these people have, I think, actual class and are trying to not be problematic, even though they are going to be, you know, and try, yeah. try to improve. And so they have lost opportunities as a result. And like, they're, they're the antithesis of this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dave's like story on that, um, that documentary episode was about how he was like the SpongeBob guy and he got called, he got like George Lucas, like wanted to talk to him about doing Clone Wars. And it was just like, this is like so tone deaf of you to say something like this in a room full of creators that are, you know, there's like one white woman and there's a black guy, an Asian woman, and and then Taika, who's like, you know, he came from like his story, Taika's story about like how he became a creator is like, oh yeah, we didn't have a budget or did anything. We basically just like filmed shit, like what was left over from Lord of the Rings, like their their prop room. Like <laughs> or like, hey, can we use this? Cool, thanks. And now he's like an extremely like successful movie director because he's had to basically make something out of nothing. And like Dave's story, his his whole narrative of his his work in show business was very much not that. It was like I was given the keys to everything, and then I made this, and it was mediocre. Yeah, and like and like the show that he helped create on HBO like has an unprecedented like creative deal where when it ended because flight of the concords because they ran out of content because the guys yeah. who created it with him the, with the band and because they took them six years between finishing college and having the first show to write a, a season's worth of of songs and then they were asked to write another season's worth in the summer between the first two seasons yeah. and they did they were like oh we just realized we can't do that again like yeah we just we don't we don't produce that fast and like they were told that they could come back at any time and hbo switched to go over like people who were in charge of programming twice in between that and when they said hey can we come back and do a special and they were like yeah we can and he wasn't part of the special it was just a concert but it was part of a show that he built that he executive yeah. produced and the, the, the episodes that he made and how charming and how interesting and unique his voice was, yeah. I think that, that that show was as strong as it was that it got that kind of deal where people are like, no, literally, whenever you want to come back, like we aren't in the business of making money with you as much as we are making high quality shit that people are going to appreciate for years. Because it is like, even though it's slapstick comedy and absurd and silly, and yeah. like, <laughs> I, I don't want to say childish, but it is like it's it's family friendly. Like yeah. the worst stuff in it is homophobic, but like the characters when they are weirdly xenophobic or homophobic that like they're wrong it's because they're they're childish and backwards and they need to learn and grow up and like like, like, i don't know it's it's a it's not a perfect show but it's extremely well done and like it's where i fell in love with his work and like i've like seeing him explode has been so cool like like, because satisfying (laughs) well and you see like he's always been this like confident unique interesting funny guy like it has not success has not changed him like yeah. i could see how someone could think it has like like maybe because he's so weird and bombastic but no, you know, he's back, like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just cool it's like 
this is just who he he is and like you see like stuff like hunt for wilder people and stuff so honest sometimes like the combination of that and fire the concords like he he lets you get to know like parts of of not necessarily his his own story or whatever but just like his personality through these different through all the different characters like and and just like so many of the people he works with are great like and like i know a lot more uh fantastic uh kiwi actors because of yeah, that, I ever, ever would yeah yeah same um yeah i don't know it was just that it was it's funny because billy like he loves clone wars you know he's he's not as big of a star wars fan as i am but that's kind of like how we started dating and like talking and stuff was through like star wars the old republic game the mmo and like that's you know we he, i introduced him to clone wars and he was like oh my god this is amazing type you know and we've been watching we watched the mandalorian we you know we've every star wars thing he's been excited about but he's also like an older white dude. And so what, so I was watching this documentary. So keep that in mind, older white, older white dude, Billy loves star Wars. You know, he's, he's gen X. Um, I was watching this documentary and he kept walking in and out of the room and he's like, dude, Dave Filoni, can you like let somebody else talk? And I was like, okay, the fact that like, <laughs> he just said that. And he is like of this generation. That's a star Wars fan. That is just, you know, that, typically that entitled like nerd dude nonsense and for him to notice something like that i was like okay uh, it's not just us <laughs> like <laughs> it's not just us noticing it thank god <laughs> Billy's a little bit more self-aware than that normal than a lot of people but, yeah but it was still just really funny that he noticed that just walking in and out of the room a couple times while i was watching this oh god anyway that's a, that's enough of our Dave Filoni uh, <laughs> digression, I guess. <laughs> we can talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. Is there any connection to... I hope not. Just that Disney is the parent company? I think, yeah. I that's think it, that right? that's the only, only connection I can think of. Uh, oh, um... Uh... uh huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was trying to think. Do we have any connections? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, nah. Oh, duh. Well, yeah. Mandalorian's where it started. I wish there was a connection to Taika. The episode that Dave directed in The Mandalorian that had Ming-Na on it made me very upset for multiple reasons. Oh, so, yeah. And, like, knowing like now that, knowing now she's coming back, spoilers from Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, we do spoilers for this show. Clearly, if you're listening to this, you should know that already. If it's your first episode of the show. Weird. Uh, but welcome. Um, we yeah, so so we, I'm we're spoiling Mandalorian, but if I didn't know she was coming back, that could have like ruined it for me forever. And still, it's like, why? It's a, why it's a fake fridging, like what we always talk about here, where it's like it's still gross, yeah. <laughs> even though it's fake. It's a fake out. I don't want to say it's worse because it's definitely not, but it's a different kind of awful. <laughs> it's like, it's like playing on audience expectations of women, especially women of color are fridged easily. Like, and I that's think, just fine. That's an expectation. I think, I think it's emotionally manipulative. I think it's cheap yep. storytelling. And I think it's, it is relying on some problematic bullshit on top of all that. Like, like it wouldn't even work as a cheap form of storytelling. If you didn't know that it was a trope, that already existed, which means like you're 
playing into and and like codifying or or legitimizing something that I think is awful. Yeah, um, I think maybe that's why I have an issue with Ryan Johnson's storytelling too, because he uses these tropes that are really problematic in writing and fiction, especially when it comes to women. And the fact that you're relying on a trope that's super problematic to tell your story, even though you're trying to subvert it, it's still gross. That feels gross. I'm glad I, can. <laughs> I'm glad I figured that out, why that always made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's I, sometimes it's really nice to have those kind of realizations. But <laughs> my, my, my last thought on it was just that, like, sometimes it takes a lot of skill, but you can, I think, lampshade or subvert a trope without legitimizing it and without relying on it. But it takes a lot of nuance. I don't think he has. Which Taika actually does quite well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. No, it's so Because so he's cheesy. the type of storyteller too, or he but he turns these tropes into like absurdity. He does. And like and like the I'm thinking like a couple moments in Flight of the Concords where yes. Jane Clement is like both being homophobic but also revealing that like, no, 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 no. I have thoughts that would be considered homosexual, but I don't think they are. So I don't even know. Like, like what? Wait, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? Like, in his yeah. defensiveness, but it's so childish in the way those characters are. It's none of it's malicious. It is just like a child trying to understand something. And it's so sweet almost, where it's just like, like you just feel bad for him because, like, especially because the way they present like, New Zealand being out. so backwards. Like, well, the way wow. they present New Zealand is being so yeah. backwards, it being from the 60s, practically, <laughs> like receiving VHS tapes from their, their parents. And, and uh, their manager refers to them as DVDs because he's like, digital video dub. <laughs> he's like, yeah, DVDs. They're like, no, no, that's not what these are. They're tapes. Oh my god. That was, that was a Taika-inspired digression, so yeah. it's fun, but not necessary. Yeah. All right, this is season five, episode 12, titled The Real Deal, which <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about this title. I'm not uh, really sure, because it's not, because it's all about a bunch of imaginary stuff. <laughs> I was like, uh... I don't know. I don't. And then also Colson's reveal to everybody that he's dying. I don't know. It's just. It also anyway. has a, it has a constant reference in my head to an episode of News Radio because the whole the show within a show that Phil Hartman hosted was a radio show called The Real Deal with Bill McNeil, and there's oh one episode where he's annoying Moira Tierney by constantly playing pre-recorded tapes to punctuate his thoughts or to complete his sentences. And it was this woman singing the real deal with Bill McNeil. <laughs> and so I can't read it or hear it without hearing that in my head. And hear, like, uh, so it, I feel like it would have thrown me anyway, but like you said, I don't think it's a great title. Like it's, uh, again, it doesn't come close to our litmus test of bad title <laughs> names tracks. <laughs> But it could be, I mean, it could, they, all they have to do is put some periods in one of those words. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that would make it worse if it was the real yeah. deal and real. I, I, it was an acronym. No. <laughs> I like how my question of anything that you bring up, comic book wise, like something organization, I'm like, is that an acronym? Yes. The answer is always yes. <laughs> like, it's it always really an acronym. Is. I can't think of any off the top of my head. A couple of times, like everyone's going to be a spy organization that doesn't. Uh, they're the bad guy ones. Yeah. Leviathan, Hydra, those aren't acronyms. But uh, AIM. Interesting. 
pain is because it's a bad guy. Of course guy. it is. Yeah. All right. So this is the hundredth episode. So it was written by Jed Moe and Jeff Bell, um, and directed by Kevin. So it's a family affair. And this originally aired March 9th, 2018. And this is a very emotional episode. So let's see if I can get through this without crying. Because <laughs> I was bawling when I was watching this. Um, so uh, what we left off from the last episode is there was the, the beacon that Hive used to call the Cree was rolled into the storeroom. And um, our passive-aggressive, uh, weirdly um, mediocre... Chronicom, uh, what's his name? Noah jumped on top of it to save everybody's life. But the uh, um, what are they called? The monoliths were in the storeroom and it just exploded. Uh, so that's not good. So Fit sends a drone in to assess the damage that was done, and we see something walking around in the background. It's like a nun, like a creepy nun, <laughs> and there's blood on the wall and on the floor, and there's this weird floating portal thing that's like lit up and then the drone gets knocked down by something and the very last like catch that the camera gets is lash andrew as lash and you're like what the fuck is i had to rewind that like twice because the granny like like like, uh uh blair witch project style shooting and and just what was happening because i was like wait what <laughs> like, <laughs> what was that and like at first i legitimately couldn't tell it was lash i just saw it was like some sort of creature like what was that and then i rewound it and then i did see it was lash and i still had to rewind it because i was like that's <laughs> that's not right at all what and then i slowly remember what this episode was about it yeah. been, like, <laughs> this episode something something yeah something. a fear dimension or whatever um i feel like this was I feel like this episode was like one of those Shield's greatest hits, but villain style. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they they managed to do it without doing an actual flashback episode, and I, I yeah. was clever. It was like yeah. it was like one of those without it being a clip show. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was like I I was pulled out of it a little bit at times because I was like, oh god. But this was a general like kind of it had a very a lot of horror elements to it. Um, for reasons that we'll get into later, because like when Gemma uh, and Yo-Yo are in a room together, it's like, what the fuck is happening? Um, but also, it was uh, I don't know. This episode is like hits a lot of different. Notes. This <laughs> be I, I, I mentioned in our last episode the title sequence mm-hmm. being all this episode. I might have been wrong about ascribing it to the 99th episode. So if that's true, my bad. We'll know for sure when we yeah. next record because I'll watch the next episode and I'll take note. I'll take note. Take note of the title card. <laughs> and see if the title cards. That's interesting. It's funny. I never. I just don't ever pay attention to the title cards, and I don't know why because this comes up all the time. I should start paying you, attention. The first commented on it when one of the seasons it was split up. I, I can't remember which portion. Was the, Hydra, the Hydra title card in the framework, wasn't it? Or was it? I think maybe with the with the with the um, LMD portion before Hydra, and I can't remember what it was that you which which one you first mentioned. But you you are what made me keep an eye out for it, which is funny. You're like I never noticed it just because I never had it first. <laughs> yeah, you got me started on it. So it's kind of funny. But so it may be this episode, which would make sense, is this is the hundredth episode, and it feels like we did say, which I think even though I was wrong about the title, we're, you were still right when you mentioned that it feels like it was 
was the last season that they thought it was. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure when they were filming the back half of the season, they they were relatively sure they were going to get canceled. And ABC is like, oh no, your ratings are pretty good. (laughs) A a small but vocal and active fan base band together and was like, we're getting S.H.I.E.L.D. trending every night that it airs because we don't want it to end. Crazy. They can bury it. They can make it half seasons. They can shuffle it to the second half of the year. They can push it, put it in the spring yeah. and make it mid-season replacements. Whatever they need to do, we we it's fan base stuck around through the whole thing. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, agreed. Um, so Fitz is trying to, he's like kind of going over, he's like doing math on a whiteboard and he's like going back and forth with the computer and he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's blaming him, himself for the explosion. He's like, I should have looked for that. And he's just so full of guilt. It's so sad. Um, and he shows Coulson and May some of the drone footage and one of the drones ended up outside and May's like, maybe it just took a wrong turn. He's like, no, that's on a level that's like 26 levels below us. That's, that's weird. Um, and his guess is that the monoliths getting blown up together created a portal to another dimension. Um, and Coulson's like, well, cool. Like maybe this is what happens and how, you know, the world ends and Daisy's not responsible for the end of the world. So that's great. <laughs> Bright side. So they're, they're still into the world. But... <laughs> Daisy's not responsible for it, so it's fine. That does feel like a dad thing, too. <laughs> like, 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 this was just a grease yeah. fire. It wasn't my kid's fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, Gemma is adjusting Yo-Yo's bed, and she's like kind of chatting with her, and Matt comes in, and, and Gemma's like, I'll leave you guys alone. And Yo-Yo comments about how scared he looks. He's like, yeah, I almost saw the woman I love die right in front of me. Um and uh, she's like, you know, I will get through this as long as I have you. And he sits down and he's like, um, you are all, you are my world. You are all that matters. Like say the word and we will leave, like leave shield. And she tells him that they can't leave yet. They have to still stay and fight. There's so much that needs to be done still. But I, poor Mac is just so done. Like <laughs> he's been trying to leave shield how many times now? Like, <laughs> I do really love how Yo-Yo is, though, that it is, like, again, I'm not praising anything about their choice to honor the way they did it. I mean, again, I don't think it's wrong to tell stories about amputation, but just don't sensationalize it and do it for pain this way. But I I do feel like they never make her someone, she deals with it, and they don't do the best job showing it, but they don't do, they don't hide it, and they also don't make it, like, a thing where it's like, she's no longer herself. They don't do any of the the really hateful shit, I think, where it's like, she can't live life. You know anymore or she gives up she doesn't give up she doesn't change who she is or or what she values and it doesn't undermine you know her goals it's just, it's just something she has, she has to deal with and i feel like it doesn't make it seem like it's super easy but it also doesn't ignore it and i i, I appreciate at least the effort they tried to they tried to make something out of something problematic and bad it seems like yeah i, I still blame jeff Loeb for <laughs> agree agree um, so daisy and deke are in a storeroom and they're looking for pain meds and and deke is <laughs> Deke finds some like cleaning spray and he's like oh it's orange scented he sprays it he's like that's amazing and then he sprays it into his mouth thinking it's gonna taste like orange like, oh god <laughs> he's like that's terrible it's so great. and then Deke's like trying to Daisy's just like kind of ignoring him like he's just like having a, a hard time and she's just like yeah yeah whatever I'm looking for things and she's distracted as hell and um 
Deke tries to talk to her and tries to relate to her about family. He's like, oh yeah, my mom, you know, it was really hard to find fresh fruits. My mom would always find an orange for me for my birthday and it was nice. And, and he's like, what about your family? You ever have anything like that? And cause he notices that she's ignoring him and she's like, oh yeah, I grew up in an orphanage. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh my bad. Sorry. I thought we were having a moment. And she's like, you were telling me about your orange on your birthday. No, we're not having a moment. And then suddenly, <laughs> no, she is she she she's dismissive, but she is like not like mean about it. Like she does, she's like it was a nice story, but like nah, yeah, <laughs> not a moment. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean she's clearly listening, which is great, but also she's just like you're annoying, dude. Like whatever, <laughs> like you just spring right into your mouth. I'm not listening to anything you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, she she well, it, but she did acknowledge like that it wasn't like a stupid thing to say yeah. or like it, like it was interesting the way she she said it because I felt like when she she said something about like you know yeah you told me a little thing about your mom like it's fine <laughs> it, was, it, it it's the beginning of the dynamic we've talked about but it starts to morph into mm-hmm. where I feel like before she kind of she didn't she kind of didn't like him I think because of the stuff you know with Cassius and whatnot and as she's gotten to know him more she understands his motivations and actions and can even relate to them more and, and like and his and and understands him as a person, but he is still obnoxious. He is still a goofball, and is and in the present, he's just becoming more and more so. She's becoming. Yeah. We always talk about the family dynamic, especially with her and Colson and her and, and May. But I feel like in the very much the same way, this is when Deke starts to become her annoying kid brother. Where it's, it's yep. she's like, "Jeez, yeah. guy, like, 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 I'm listening to you, but it doesn't mean like we're not best friends or having a romantic connection just because just because you're telling me something that happened." <laughs> I know. And it's very true to her character. Like she's very much like like that, I think. Um it's she doesn't relate to people on that. It's interesting because Daisy is this person that is really good at relationships and she's she's like Coulson in the fact that she can level with somebody very quickly and understand their motivations, understand who they are, and empathize with them. And it's funny that she's doing the same thing with him, but she's just not giving him the satisfaction of, hey, I'm interested and I'm, you know, like, I'm just giving you my my absolute attention on every word you're saying which i feel like is one of those tropes that gets put into science fiction where it's like oh there's this new guy and it's like oh these two people are single so they must be able to have like a you know a, a romantic connection and the fact that he's like trying to at least have a connection of any kind which we find out does turn out to be he's just like no nah. <laughs> like just even though we know she could be that person that empathizes with him and like you know, enjoys this company, she just shuts it down and she's just like, nope, we're not having that. That's not what this is. <laughs> like, we work together now and that's it. And also, you are not from here. This is weird. Um, oh, so like when they're having this and she's kind of like, yeah, whatever, she sees a Cree warrior come up behind them and the Cree has his crazy axe thing and tries to kill Deke. Um, and he starts attacking them and they have this whole battle thing and finally Daisy gets a gun and shoots the Kree and it just disappears into thin air. So, great. Um, so, back uh, in the computer room, the monitor room, whatever, uh, Fitz tells them their fears are coming to life. Um, and they're like, what does that mean? And he shows May the footage of Lash and she's like, oh, Lash, check. Okay, cool. Um, they're like, oh, Cree warrior, check. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's my fear. What was the the? <laughs> well, Col- everything makes sense except Colson says, "Wait, isn't there one floor 
that's just a forest. It's like really pleasant and deep. Whole forest full of trees, like crawling, growy things and worms and dirt. You know, and it, 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 I thought it was so funny because of last episode with him hugging the tree. It's like, yeah. so Deke being from, the, you know, the White House in the future and being so cut off from nature. One tree, beautiful, amazing, interesting. A forest full of trees, terrifying. <laughs> like, and, and I think of like, like fairy tales and shit. It's like, that's where all the shit goes down. You know, it's like for him, without ever having actually been in a forest, I get it. Yeah. I sort of get that. Yeah, I get it too. Um. And Coulson's kind of like, okay, check, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, again, they kind of, they're not like humiliating and they're not like giving him too hard a time. It is totally like the dad level of giving someone a shit. Yeah. You know, it's like, I guess. <laughs> he didn't call him a pussy. If he was a bad dad, if he was Red Foreman on, on uh, that 70s show, he would have called, called him a girl or something. Yeah. And I mean, fear is kind of understandable. So he's like, okay, I guess I could see that, but weird, weird flex guy, you know. It's still super strange. <laughs> it's, just, it's just when all the rest are like horror movie stuff, yeah. and his is like a pleasant, like <laughs> pastoral scene. And he's like, ah, too much nature. I gotta get that in doses, oh, man. <laughs> so Fitz calls this the fear dimension, and he said, <laughs> of course he does. What I have come to call it is the fear dimension, because that's not a thing. Um, and he's like, it can take your deepest fears and manifest them physically. And Daisy's like, yeah, the Cree dude almost killed uh, Deke. Like, this is way dangerous. Um, and so they're going to seal off the floor. But he's like, it's leaking out into the base. Like, it's getting worse. Um, and he's like, I do have an idea. But potentially someone might have to sacrifice themselves. And everyone's really quiet. And just kind of looking around and Fitz starts to say Deke and Deke freaks out. He's like, nope, nope, nope. I just got here. I also already, already tried to do the whole like sacrifice myself thing to like get you all here. I'm done. And Fitz is like, oh, I just needed your belt buckle. <laughs> he needs his anti-gravity belt, right? Yeah, he's like, it, he's like, it might help fix the tear in space time so he's like okay oh oh cool um but somebody has to carry the device down because obviously the the drones it's not working out with the drones and the camera focuses in on colson and he's like all right i'll do it and everyone's like nope 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 um and then Fitz is like oh piper can go she already said she wants a way to make it up to us which i was like holy shit Fitz. um but they're all, they all start arguing with Coulson about going. They're like, absolutely not. Um, and Coulson's like, Daisy's like, I'll go. Like, I'm the one that needs to be taken out of the equation. I'm the most dangerous one here, blah, blah, blah. And Coulson's like, no, you can't go. I need you to lead. And he's like, oh, you want me to lead? Is that what you're talking about? Like, before you iced me? Um, and she's like, there is no shield. <laughs> like, we are broken. And she goes down the list of, like, May is never going to be 100%, even though you think she's going to be. Like, Mac is, like, ready to leave again. Yo-Yo is, like like amputee yeah traumatized and an amputee and god Fitz Simmons, like can you just please like i just love the way she defends them she's like they've been through enough like how dare you even suggest that like they should try we should try to like do something here that that could jeopardize their relationship again and as she's yelling at him colson tries to defend himself but he starts to get lightheaded and he passes out and um and then we go to this dark hallway that looks very much like empire strikes back <laughs> um when luke is trying to find vader and deke is standing there waiting and colson comes out and he gives deke these instructions and he seems very annoyed with him and he's like okay you got it and deke's like yeah yeah it's easy enough and he's like okay well you can't keep getting arrested 
okay? Uh, <laughs> because you're the only one who is, you know, is not from here, so we need you. Um, he's going to the surface to get things, and Coulson's, you know, he's just, like, super grumpy with him, which is very uncharacteristic of Coulson, so we know that Coulson is about to walk into a, a very uncomfortable situation, and, and he's kind of like, well, the rest of the team is waiting for you in the control room, and so Coulson walks in, everybody's very quiet, and then Gemma walks in and gives them the bad news that Coulson has necrotic tissue around his heart and it is a life-ending itch, itch injury. It's growing, it's right? growing and taking over and it's why it caused him to pass out because it's taking over part of his lung and his heart and the tissue is dead and they don't have a way to fix that and she's like, Coulson is dying. May says this. May says Coulson is dying. Um, and he's known since Ghost Rider and he's like, yeah, whatever alien voodoo was keeping me together, Ghost Rider burned right through it. And that's the deal we made. And, and he's just like, how could you keep this from us? And he tells them that he didn't want them distracted trying to find a cure. And Daisy's like, we had one. Tess was brought back to life in front of our eyes. And poor Coulson, like, to be fair, like, this is hard because I get where everybody's coming from. It's like so hard to know that you're going to lose a loved one and not be able to do anything about it or knowing that you could be doing something about it. And the person who is you're going to lose doesn't want to be a part of that. But also it's their life. Like Colson has never had agency with his life. <laughs> like that's been taken away from him so many times. And he says, like, I didn't want to go through that again. And Daisy's argument is like, hey, it's not fair that you make life and death decisions for us all the time. Like, we deserve the same courtesy to be a part of those decisions for you as well. And she leaves, like, she can barely get through a sentence. And Mac is like, well, how long does he have? And Gemma can also barely, barely get through her prognosis. She's like, at some point, your heart will just stop beating. Um, and Coulson goes to go try to talk to Daisy and May is like pissed she's like you should have told us you did this wrong phil um and he's she says something about like you put too much on her talking about daisy um and god like this is this just sucks all of it just sucks um so he goes to speak with daisy and she's like i can't do what you're asking me to do i can't just let you die um and she's like i can't do this without you i can't be you know you're the reason she oh god i'm gonna cry she's like you are what i believe in if you want a symbol you are the symbol there is no shield without you there is nothing without you and they hug because they are father daughter and this is it's so tragic and it's so sad that this is how it ends for him for them <laughs> as a team um and i feel like it, i don't know the show's never really the same again <laughs> after this moment so Yo-Yo wakes up, this is where it starts turning into horror show, like, major. Yo-Yo wakes up from a bad dream, and Gemma starts saying, like, oh, would you have a bad dream? And Yo-Yo's like, please don't drug me again, like, I can't take it, I want to, you know, she's like, well, the pain is just going to get worse, and you need to, like, she says something like, you need to let Mac, like, put, I don't know, something that's really out of character, and really, like, not something Gemma would say. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> like let Mac move on, just give up already. Yeah. Nobody needs you. <laughs> like, she's, she doesn't say it quite that bluntly, but she says it, like, really passive-aggressively, and, like, yeah. With a smile. And it seems, yeah, it seems like she is in a straight up like Twilight Zone yeah. like, type. Like, oh shit, she's an evil nurse. <laughs> the way that she's saying it, like she starts out, and we're like, oh, Gemma's just, you know, she's being nice. And then all of a sudden, we we're like, whoa, what are you saying? And then she takes a pillow and starts smothering her, and Matt comes in and attacks 
this Gemma, and it's an LMD Gemma, which, oh, God. You like, bust your face open, and yeah. you see that it's a robot and face. And real Gemma runs in, and... It's like, what's going on? Is it robot me? <laughs> and then Fitz is like, okay, this is getting really dangerous. This is really bad. we got to seal this thing now. Like, Coulson's got to do his thing. Well, and I was thinking about this, that scene a lot while it was happening, and right at, right as it was ending, and I feel like it was Ma- that was Max fear. Yeah. Yo- but, but, like, is, is the combination of someone killing Yo-Yo, at, like, like, killing the person he loves the most again who he keeps losing the person he cares about most yeah. uh, and, and 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 we know how he feels about robots yeah and we know about, like, how he feels about robots like taking the place of people that yeah. he cares about like oh god yeah it's real bad. I feel like we don't even necessarily get to see Yo-Yo's fear, like like in the course of all this, because she's just recovering from all the shit. Yeah, you know, like... I know. Maybe it makes a difference that she's like drugged up. Um, that, 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 that would make sense. Like that, you just don't experience as much fear when you're on like morphine and shit. Yeah, you're, just, <laughs> like, you're just there. Like whatever, <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's not the weird dimension. Yeah. Um. So Deke goes outside and he's like, oh, this is great. And then a helicopter flies over and he's like, oh, what the fuck? And then he sees like a bunch of military cars, like tanks on the streets. And there's military dudes patrolling the streets. And he's like, oh, God, great. Um, Hale is at the police station and she's um, she's talking, you know, she's like, oh, how did you know it was shieldable? Blah, blah, like the police officer that like called in it's like, oh, well, you know, my, you know, my, my, uh, my officer thinks that he recognized her but we're not sure and she's like we'll find out and then deke has is walking down the street wearing a hat and sunglasses and he has picked up a six pack of zima and some ice cream <laughs> and he yeah goes- i was i was giggling and reading that next sentence <laughs> Deke picked up zima and ice cream because <laughs> that's I, I love it he's deke is deke is me and my friends like my sophomore year at college yeah it's like we can just do this yeah. we can just walk around we can just buy ice cream in the middle of the day i know <laughs> If this is what being an adult is, no, it's not, but it's a really fun way to get started. It makes me feel bad for everything right now. A generation of kids, all the Zoomers are losing this chance to, to fuck around for a couple of years. I know. And meanwhile, all the adults are drinking at noon while, during work hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get adult kindergarten with yeah. midday naps and th- they have to fucking lose their, their childhood. Oh my god. Anyway, so Deke goes up to <laughs> I wrote this because he goes up to a payphone and he's like trying to figure out how this thing works. He's like, is this thing working? And I'm like, okay, he's trying not to be suspicious but the fact that he's going up to a payphone with a hat and sunglasses on and Zima is completely suspicious. Like, You know, he looks like he's a time traveler. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't really look like he belongs there. And then he walks out of a pawn shop and he bumps into this, this suspicious white dude and nothing comes of this, out of this episode at least. Um, but the white dude is clearly from like Hydra or whatever. <laughs> like, but I, I, I do like him with the hat and the Zima and the payphone. <laughs> he looks like he's a time traveler from the past <laughs> not from the future. It's like, he's someone from the early 90s. <laughs> Zima and his, what are those like rocket um, popsicles that are like red, white, and blue that from like the ice cream yeah. trucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, bomb pops yeah yeah yeah. oh my god so (laughs) we go back to we go from like weird shit giggly like 
funny situational humor and then we go back to serious because the show does a good job at that of course like we talked about last episode may finds colson sitting alone in the hallway and she's like is this why we took a step back and he's like well i didn't want you to like waste your time on some dude who's gonna die and she's like no 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 i get to decide who i waste my time on that's not your decision and she's like what's going on and he's like well you know i got a second chance already and i just like didn't want to be greedy and try to get another second chance and he's like and we need he's like he says something like contrary to appearances like neither of us are getting any younger like because she doesn't age (laughs) and um he's like we need fresh blood to lead the team and she says it's more than a team and you know it the fact that colson is like compartmentalizing this into like this is about shield and teamwork instead of it being about like this is about my family is interesting (laughs) was the first time we talked about it back in the first season when he's talking to ward when before the reveal where we find out he's hydra and he's like telling him like you just got to compartmentalize everything you can't get emotional it's like he's so full of shit because he loves all of them he's trying to do that as like a coping mechanism i think so but like i I think that it reveals that he he wasn't full of shit as much as he's just delusional he thinks he does that (laughs) He's trying to do that, and he's not good at it because he loves all of them. I know. I know. So Fitz gets Coulson ready to seal the portal, and he's um, uh, he's told Fitz to promise him to do something, and he's like, you have to do this. He says, this is where I, um, last episode, we kind of talked about, like, the whole, like, law enforcement propaganda situation, and Coulson says, you have to do this because institutions and symbols are important. People need something to believe in, and I was uncomfortable with this. I understand, like, what where he's coming from because the shield has always been important to him and the symbol of shield has always been really important to him as a character but i think about like how the u.s like educational system sets up you know you think of like the judiciary and you know the constitution as these symbols of freedom and democracy when really like you look at the reality of like how they were founded and how they were put into power and how they've stayed in power and it's gross it's based you know it it was it came out of an economy that was based on slavery and the the elite landowners wanted to maintain that system (laughs) and the people who were you know quote unquote abolitionists you know compromised big time um to get to get us to where we are and so it's like these institutions are flawed and colson still believes in them and he thinks people need something to believe in and it's just it's interesting yeah and i think that is it's disappointing a little bit but it makes sense with the nature of the show because like and i don't disagree with him that people need something to believe in and ideally you know a real honest democracy in a a government that isn't entirely corrupt you know would be able to be that thing but it ends up having to be other things that people find you know and whether it's community or family or or, or, you know movements like that are that are hopefully positive like like black lives matter and not you know awful like like the park that i walk through every day was shut down on friday to prepare for being shut down on saturday which meant being taken over by proud boys yeah. around 500 I, I people so I, I think a majority of proud boys and a few counter protesters and, and and news media but approximately 500 people took this park it's delta park it's a combination dog park and regular park but i, I uh, walk through whenever i leave the island i live on <laughs> north north of uh or right on the literally on the border between vancouver and portland I, there is a, are a couple islands and i live on one of them and so that's p- part of portland but uh 
a couple islands to the west of me are part of Vancouver. Because <laughs> the border switches yep. Yep. partway through, cuts through the water. But uh, so, but, but in order to get where, you know, anywhere else in town, I have to cut right across this bridge and I have to go through this park or around it. And it was completely covered because they blockaded it. And it's like, it was blockaded uh, to prevent them from, from coming in because they applied for a permit uh, without giving them a proper amount of time or whatever. And because their real purposes and whatnot, like basically because of technicalities that they knew they weren't going to get the permit they applied for a permit anyway uh, and were denied it and then they showed up and I'm like I, I just don't understand what is happening like the, the law enforcement is going out and killing people you know who are unarmed for no reason and then getting away with it and having yeah having like the littlest bit of change eked out as a result you know because yeah. there's public outrage but then these assholes knowingly break the law you know I know that, they, that I'm sure that the four people who were arrested or whatever I read about were people who did did get caught with guns without permits or whatever you know like one of the things I, I did see like they had like a tub full of rocks and like other weapons yeah. and shit like like, like extremely hillbilly uh, weapons but it's it's these people coming in from outside literally aren't you know paid by George Soros they're the other side the people coming in are coming in from rural areas who think that the fires were started by who believe QAnon shit you know they think yeah. these fires were started by Black Lives Matter people and are insane and <laughs> like like I don't know man it, it, it's I, I, hopefully people are motivated and 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 pick something good to believe in and, but it's just it's scary because like like the people who did do that here were far outnumbering the, yeah. the psychopaths it seems like who do come from outside and coming in but it's just like I that the sentiment behind what he's saying I totally get it like as a kid I fell in love with superheroes because they stand for something better than this shit that's real yeah. you know like the whole reason I love superheroes is because it's because Spider-Man and Captain America and uh, you know Superman like they stand for for doing the right thing because it's the right thing not for vengeance and not not for ju- justice like because of the justice system yeah but like 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 i go back and i've read like these things like about like the original conception of some of these characters and some of their like oaths that they that they made and it's like literally the first comics of superman he's taking down corrupt landlords and yeah. people who are busting up unions like working for mobs <laughs> and business and banks and shit and it's like it was so liberal so insanely progressive for the time even but it's just it's fantastic and it's like that's the shit that i want to believe in so i i i I get colson but it's just like how anyone can think a system that like the one we live on but is explicitly like you said founded on racism and slavery and just like dehumanizing other people and unreasonable compromise of of any sort of real belief system like how you could elevate shield even a fictional shield that's tied to the u.s government the way it is to that symbol doesn't make sense and i get why people need something but it's just so incredibly flawed to begin with like like there's some people I know who've served in our military. Oh yeah. Like they they're to the people who think the most critically about this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like I know that that's not the case for everyone who goes in and out, but it just feels like if you are open to everything that's happening and you're aware of what's going on, it feels like very disingenuous. And it sucks because I think Colson is someone who we a character who we like so much that him falling into one of those guys that is I think far too often in real life what guys who look like Colson and Clark yeah. Gregg what they do fall into who are think they're doing the right thing but are so twisted up with where they get where that starts and begins you know where they think that is that that they're they become the bad guys and it's like it's also like the everyone who's saying oh go vote right now where the very act yes voting is important whatever but the very act of voting is you participating in this system that is founded on racism and oppression of groups that are not white. No, and- it's like I, I just heard Charlemagne the God talking about this exact thing. <laughs> 
and he was saying uh, that it sucks because like how do I convince people to vote when the system doesn't work for them at all? Yeah. He's like when you when they know that nothing's going to change just because Biden's elected. He's like this. He's like I keep just telling people this isn't the one to sit out. <laughs> he's like yeah. and I'm like I I, I totally I, I I I God bless him. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad he is trying to get people out there and trying to use his voice to get people to vote. But like you say, like and like he said, it's just like it doesn't. It's not a convincing argument. It's like oh this guy if this guy is susceptible to our pressure the guy who, who will get it if we don't actively fight for this guy who we don't even like uh-huh. he will not listen to us he will make it worse but the first guy that we want he's no guarantee yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like that's a shitty fucking argument oh, it's wow. a super especially like knowing the whole reality of it it's like oh even if he listens to us and fights for us a lot of other shit has to work out right for him to be able to do anything yeah yeah. But like, like, it's like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so depressing. And like, they can't fit all that into an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, like, I, get, I, know, I get it. I know. And also just the fact that like Biden has actively participated in legislating things that have hurt communities of color, like, you know, starting, you know, 20, 30 years ago that are still hurting communities of color and have had long lasting detriment. And like, also the fact that, you know, the carceral state is the reason why a lot of black communities are disenfranchised and can't vote. <laughs> like that's not even an option for them because of the system. And so it's just, I agree. Like I know that not all of this can fit into shield. And I think it's interesting because I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is just me because of what I believe in versus like what I, what my viewpoint was like when I was watching this for the first time, or just like the moment in time that this is happening and that we're watching this in where I don't feel like that's necessarily where what we're supposed to take away from this. I feel like we are supposed to view this as Coulson's like kind of ignorant optimism, (laughs) considering everything that's going on around them. Um, and I think he's the right character to have that, I guess. Yeah, because that would make sense. Like somebody like like Daisy is not going to think that way. Like she's part of multiple um, intersections of oppression at this point. She's an inhuman. She's a woman of color. She's you know on the she's a fugitive, <laughs> like who will probably end up in prison, losing her right to vote. I mean, that's co-opting like a whole group of oppressed, actual oppressed people. But like you know, you think about Mac and Yo-Yo. Like I, it's just I don't know. I feel like. Also, something that you said at the beginning of like when we started talking about this is like, you know, symbols that we should be looking to like family and 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 like close relationships with people that matter to us. Like that's something that Coulson's missing here. And I think that he's purposely pushing that away, trying to to these like more meta symbols and institutions. And it really works because it is the hundredth episode of Shield. Yeah. For him to be talking about a Shield's this symbol. But on that much more, I think, deeper and more important level, he's he's using that, like you just said, as a wedge to, to separate them. Yeah. Well, and the fact of the matter is that the only thing that is left of Shield are his family. Yeah. So it's like he's looking at them in this way that's detached from his real loss. He's 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 like pushing away what what dying why people are afraid of dying. It's not because he fears death or even not existing it's because he doesn't <laughs> want to lose these people or hurt these people yeah. and and he doesn't want to think about that which i think is a very human thing like mm-hmm. and, and that's what we like about him so much is he's like that's what made him important in that first avengers movie is he's mm-hmm. the human one you know? yeah <laughs> he's the everyman you know he's 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 the one that grounds us in reality but i think that he is trying to 
pull himself out of that reality because it's too painful right now. Well, and there's so, and he's been ripped out of it. Yeah, multiple times against his will. <laughs> yeah. So he's leaning into that. It's like it's like, yeah. hey, like if I can't I, yeah. live my life, then I'm gonna pretend that all it is is this, or I, that I have a choice. Shitty. So good, the show. <laughs> I know. It's like on one hand, it's like you no, know, it's these saying these problematic things, but also there's something deeper beyond that. That yeah, there's a there's a reason. When yeah. you, it, it's like maybe Jeff Lowe made maybe Jeff Loeb made made them make him say that. They made, it, <laughs> they made it work. They did. They really did because it, we know we. It sounds hollow that he's saying that in that moment. You know what I mean? Like it's like for, for a reason. You, like that's that's really what you want your legacy to be is like this symbol. It's like no, your family is your legacy. The people that you have brought together to become your family that is your legacy, and we know that like as an audience, but. It just him saying that then is kind of like even Fitz is like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, if that's your dying wish, I'll do it. But that's not re- what's real. So anyway, so the rest of the team is watching Coulson as he heads down into the basement. And he has a bunch of bright gear on and like a gas mask. So they don't know what's going to be down there. Um, and his camera goes out and the team is blind. And he's like, OK, Daisy, you there? I guess not. Cool. I'm alone. Um, and somebody is waiting for him in the room with the, the portal. And it's Mike Peterson. And he has no weapons. He is not Deathlock. So it's weird. He is clearly not real. Um, and he's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm not here to hurt you. Also, the air is fine. I'm breathing it. You can take off your helmet. Um, and he's like, no, I'm not real. I This is what you are imagining. This is You are creating this. And um, so basically, I've, I summarized this conversation because I feel like this scene is a little confusing, even upon second watch. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, from what I got from this, I think this is the part I watched like three times. <laughs> I was falling asleep. So, what I understood from this scene is that Coulson's fear is that he is actually dying and they're trying to bring him back to life. And all of this is fake. None of this, everything that has happened since episode one of season one is not real. And it's all yeah, he head. he wants him to believe that he's being brought back. It sort of is even implying, I think, that even that's all fake. Like right, that from for, from the time that he was brought back from with Project Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Is all pretend. Yeah, and he's like, he even says like, Ghost Rider, really? He's like, yeah. you really think your 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 flame, your head was a flaming skull? You think they put electrodes on your brain to try to get you know simulate brain activity? Yeah. What do you what do you think is really causing this? And he, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He's just trying to get he's his own fear that none of it's real, that everything's fake, and I think that that's that fear. I think is sublimating his actual fear of death. Yeah, because it's all about death. It's like what if yeah. what if what 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 if, what if you you're so afraid of avoiding death that's that's a bit because that's all this whole thing is your life just is avoiding death yeah and he the, and mike says something else where he's like you know you are afraid of this because you never before you died before loki killed you like you didn't get to do all the things that you wanted to do like have a family become a hero lead a team he like goes down the list of everything colson's like go to go to space like yeah, yeah, you didn't do any of this stuff yeah like these are all things that you wanted to do and wanted to be a part of but you're like one of them was go to puerto rico which i thought was amazing it's like he's like but i also like that it punctuated everything he's like yeah. go to space fight an alien become a demon go to puerto rico i'm like like pretty nice but that's weird yeah that's, i dig it but that's a really weird placement yeah no and it was just it was like oh wow like that's crazy to think about that he did get a second chance and he did get to do all this cool shit. And I mean, we know it's real, but also like, I can imagine like that fear being legit. Like what if I'm just, it's all in my head. 
That's well, and you apply <laughs> like the framework to it. Oh, it's yeah. like that. Like part of that does feel like, like it's like, wait, maybe I keep thinking of things that are me being, you know, fake something, you know, because I'm telling myself this is fake. Well, yeah. like, I don't know. There's, there's something to it. Yeah. Also, the fact the mic brings up, yeah, you have a flying car and a plane. Like, like really, like this is your midlife crisis. You're just like getting everything that you want. Like, this is not, this is not real. And it's like, on some level, it's like this, this is too good to be true. Even though he's been through so much shit since he was brought back, like everything that did happen is kind of like, like his, you know, his fanboy dream. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's, he's better than Nick Fury. You yeah. Know? He's done way all this cool shit, even though it's been horrific along the way. Um, and now he has like the daughter and the partner that he's wanted and I don't know it's it's really sad and it just it humanizes Coulson in a way that I think we haven't gotten to in a while it really brings him down to like wow like that's really sad that that's a fear <laughs> that's a real legitimate fear <sighs> anyway during this Daisy and Fitz start arguing about what they need to do she's like we need to go help Coulson and he's like no 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 we can't go down there and she does not pull any punches and she tells him she's like there are no acceptable losses this isn't Hydra Leopold <laughs> yeah when she called him Leopold I was like that was fucking badass yeah, and then Mary's like, you guys need to be quiet. She like moms them. And she's like, that's enough. But like, oh my God. Like <laughs> No, that's like that's like when one of the kids says something too real when they're going back and forth and the mom doesn't have time to deal with it. It's like okay. Oh yeah, well you had sex in the pool while mom and dad were in the kitchen and they haven't told you about it because they because you you think you got away with it. That, that, that this is autobiographical. I did this to my brother and my mom is like Shut up! I'm driving. Stop I gotta deal no. with something. No, no, that was that was the best. My dad was like, uh, 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 like, like wow. that was the best thing. My brother was in college. I was in high school. My mom and I were somewhere else. My dad got home and he he, he called my mom on her cell phone to tell uh, tell her to warn her. He was ter- he was terrified. He said, "So I got in my car. I drove around the block and I kept driving around the block. <laughs> I did not know what to do. It's like, what do you do in that situation? Like, not, he was so embarrassed. I but shout out to my parents for being exceptionally cool." And not like because my brother and his girlfriend at the time, Kelly, is like so so many years ago. It was like twenty years ago. Well, like like did not break up for some time. And I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would have immediately had that my my brother known just because he would have been ter- terrified oh, knowing that that happened. That is hilarious. Yeah, it's it, that scene is exactly what you just <laughs> like. Mom doesn't know what to do, and she has to deal with her husband. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's being in a fear dimension. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, her husband's got terminal fear dimension cancer. <laughs> Plus, the the they're all being attacked arguing. by monsters. Yeah, the kids are arguing. We don't have time for this. Be quiet. <laughs> I don't have time to agree with Daisy. <laughs> <Shut up>. Leopold. 
Oh wow, that was effective though. I was like, oh damn, oh, <laughs> she went there. Absolutely, that uh, like that was the <laughs> other thing. But I didn't write that down like I did in the first episode. The the comment where she, where May was like, we have a small but vocal fan base. I wrote that down. I just but 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 that jumped out at me when she said Leopold. I was like, oh snap, <laughs> like, that was so no. rad. And just the way she said it with like so much venom, just like contempt for who he was in the framework, just like. Yeah, you can't be that person here. Oh, man, that was fire. Anyway, um, Coulson is trying to ignore fake Mike. Um, he's like, no, no, this makes sense. It's fine. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And Mike keeps, like, telling him, like, you know, you just can't come to terms with death. Like, that yeah, is... This is where he mentions the Ghost Rider thing, right? Yeah. Um, he's like, what's more likely that someone is, like, poking around in your brain with electrodes or that you've experienced everything that you've experienced since? Like, really? Like, that's what, yeah, that's when he brings that up. And um, this is where he says, like, you've got to do all the things that wanted to do but never could um, and maybe your brain just can't handle the idea of letting go so you made all of this up <laughs> um and then we have this triumphant moment an alarm starts going off in the base and um somebody's trying to land and it's a quinjet and they're like it's a quinjet and they go to the hangar and it's deke and he has found the rest of shield and mike peterson is with them Deathlock, and they're like the slow motion of them like walking down the the ramp and he's like centered like with with davis is there and all these other agents and it's like oh the team is back together and mike is here to save the day and he's the best um it does make me a little sad he was never like a main cast member i love every time we get mike but uh, j august richards is just so nice and like especially right now like he's having a moment in oh the, yeah the real world and uh, like i like i love that dude he and he uh he was really good as yeah, mike i agree um i do i i love how he keeps getting his little cameos too like it just it's one of those things where he was there at the very first episode and he, it just feels like he is like home <laughs> for the show like when when he comes back you know things are going to be okay because he was the first one to for all of us to experience what it meant to be part of colson's shield i think i feel like too of all the things on this show other than uh other than uh Dykin lockman mm -hmm. I feel like we don't really have anything that I feel is like influenced from Joss Whedon's choices. Mm -hmm. But I know that both Joss and and uh, uh, J.S. Richards are people who he had worked with before. Yeah. And who he liked a lot. And I feel like he probably had something to do with not necessarily their casting, but they were probably considered because the people who work at uh, Mutant Enemy and who worked with Jed and Mo like mm -hmm. like worked with them before and knew knew of them. But uh, like when I think about that though, like I think it couldn't be two better people to benefit from. Him. Him. I don't love Josh Whedon, but if anyone's going to benefit from working with him, yeah. I'm very much happy it's the two of them because they both seem like really nice people and like they've been, oh, they were awesome on the show too. And just, and yeah, the, like, like the projects that it, they've done since too have just, you know, they they deserve all the success. Yeah. Um, yes. So uh, Colson, so Fake Mike gives Colson the chance to not only like turn on the little gravity thing to like close the, 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 the fear dimension but to give in and die right here he's like you literally can walk to towards the light <laughs> and colson starts to give in and he starts walking and then he stops and he's like i can't i can't do it um and so fake mike is like okay fine well i'll make you and then real mike shows up and shoots fake mike and we're like 
this is like our our theater cheering moment we're like yay the hero showed up and he's like what are you doing colson we got to close this shit <laughs> like let's go and then like all of the villains start coming out lash shows up mike takes care of him the weird velrelexians come out and did i say that right Whatever. I think so. You might have missed it. <laughs> shouldn't be there. Um, he Coulson activates the device and starts letting it do its thing, and it creates this like gravity well. And him and Mike are getting pulled towards it, and then Hive shows up, and it's like, oh shit! And Mike takes him out, and then, or maybe Coulson does, and then it's all over, and the the, the dimension is closed, and Coulson is left sitting in Mike's lap, and Coulson's like, "You're real, right?" please be real. And Mike's like, would that make this less awkward? And Colson's like, yes. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm so glad you're real. <laughs> like, it's not that was fantastic. Fun. It was really good. <laughs> um, so Hale is still at the police station and uh, they're trying to figure out who Deke is because he has no, he has nothing. He's not in any records anywhere. And they're like, maybe he's an LMD. Um, and then they find out that Daisy has been cited elsewhere. And she's like, great. Well, I guess we're leaving. Um, Meanwhile, Coulson gets into the elevator on the base with Fitz and Deke. And Fitz is very happy. He's like, oh, yeah, we had this small victory. It's really fantastic. And Deke thinks that they're talking about him. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, I was, like, really worried it wasn't going to work. Like, the payphone, I don't know what the payphone thing was doing, but I, like, <laughs> he pulled the information about Daisy being on the run. And he got all the other agents. And he's just really proud of himself. And then Coulson or Fitz are really confused. But Deke just keeps talking. <laughs> And Fitz kind of like looks over at Colson. He's like, I was obviously talking about Deathlock. <laughs> and Colson's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he asks, he starts to ask Colson like what he was up against in the basement. And Colson's like, Fitz, are you stalling? The elevator's been stopped for like a full minute. And I think uh, I think we're supposed to realize at this point that Fitz is very dressed up, like he's going to a wedding. <laughs> and Deke opens the door and everyone is waiting for them on the weird floor that has the forest and the park. Um, and Fitz and Gemma are going to get married finally. And it's really sweet that Mike like gets to be there for this too, I think. I do wonder though why all the villains aren't still around if the park is. <laughs> They're to dissent. <laughs> but, but, but whatever, whatever. <laughs> oh my god. Um, also, we find out that Deke bought um, uh, Gemma's wedding ring at the pawn shop. Or her wedding dress at the pawn shop, which I felt like was really sweet. Like, it's, I don't know, the way that he's, like, involved in their wedding is just really cute. Like, how he provided all the things for it, including the ring, um, which I'll talk about. And it makes it makes perfect sense that they did, for story reasons, like, the way they set it up, yeah. because everyone else is most wanted. Like, he's the only one who can get away with it. Yeah, but also, there's, he has this connection to them that's even more... It makes it makes it very sweet. Yeah, so, I mean, it would be it'd be sweet otherwise, but yeah. it makes it like meaningful. I agree. So Coulson is officiating. He's like, we need you to do this right now before like a portal opens and the world ends. <laughs> so let's get to yeah, it. The universe is does not want you guys together. So yeah. let's get this working out. <laughs> I know. So Gemma reads her vows, and they're so beautiful. And she's like, I, you know, I can't wait to go on our next adventure together. And Fitz is, you know, she obviously is prepared and reads them off a piece of paper. And Fitz does not have vows he's they're not scripted but he's also like you're perfect and i don't deserve you which god poor fitz has just has this guilt complex still from the framework and like even in his fucking wedding vows like this is where he's coming from where he just he's trying to make amends yeah for a virtual for a virtual thing that was not well he did he shoot her in the kneecap <laughs> like 
right, right. But it's like, like it was a bunch of shit that wasn't his fault. You know, it sucks because he did make choices. You can't absolve him entirely. It's like if what if what if you got addicted to a serious drug because some because your mom and dad were drugging you in your sleep? It's like it's not your fault. You know, you didn't start the chain that made you make those choices. A crazy uh, robot you you made. (laughs) Oh God! But he did help make that robot, so like he has to have some guilt on that too. Like yeah, Yeah, there's levels, but also like he's trying to make amends until he doesn't in another part of this uh, this season with Daisy. Until it really fucks up. Yeah. So um, they get the rings, and like I said, Deke bought them for him, and he mentions to him and Mike are in the back talking, and he's like, oh yeah, I got I found this ring that looks exact, almost like the one that my mom used to wear. I think it was my grandma's. And then we cut to a scene where Hale's assistant comes out in the station and she's like, I had them run some like genetic matching for Deke and two people came back and it's Gemma and Fitz. So he's related to them. And then... Gemma and Fitz finally get married officially, and the episode ends here. Thank God, nothing. Oh, and, and it has such a great moment because right before they have the, the cut where they flash to Hale's, Hale's assistant or whatever Hale's operative mm-hmm. finding the match, uh, he uh, Deke asks uh, Mike what side he's on, yeah, yeah. groom or, 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 or groom or bride, and he says both. You know, he's like I'm, I'm both, and he goes, and then it co- goes does the thing that shows that they're a match. He goes, what about you? What side are you on, bride or groom? And he goes, honestly. I don't really know either of them, and that's how the episode ends. And it was great because it's really funny, but also super sweet. And it's like a, it's like one of those times it ends with a different music than usual because mm-hmm. it is a sweet ending. Yeah. But it was. It was such a great, like, comedic punctuation. And it doesn't get the mince. I feel like they must have figured it out because of his off-screen dynamics with the rest of them, I feel like. Like, his, like, real-life energy with the rest of the cast. How to evolve him. Because it is literally, we're two episodes in from the from the future in the present. And this is the firm, like, solidification of him as their, whatever, their Gomer pile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, their comic relief character. He's, he's Urkel now. And it's fine he he's good at it like yeah. it's plays to jeff ward's strength he's he's very likable as this guy yeah. as the cocky love interest he's become how i see chris pratt in real life <laughs> you, know, you know like like it's the wrong star lord to channel buddy <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, but yeah. but he he does this so much better and just the both the character does it better the yeah. actor does it better the writing does it better like and i feel like it had to be a choice from the beginning like like like, 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 like once they got him in like they knew how it was gonna go it's like yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like we know what to do with you. Also, it's interesting because I feel like if we would have gotten introduced to this Deke first, I don't think I would have liked him as much. But the fact that we get the other Deke that's like kind of annoying, also very like dark and makes a lot of bad and kind of tra- and tragic. Yeah. Too. yeah. Um, we know what he came from and who he, what he had to be because of where he grew up. And now we get to see who he is in an environment that's like safe, relatively safer. I don't know if it's necessarily safe because they're on the run, Um, but he's in an environment that's safe and he's with people that he knows has his back and he can trust them. And I think like he becomes a much more interesting character because we've seen him like how he was in the future. And now he's like, now he's actually literally a part of the family. Like, I don't know. I, I'm really, I really like Deke a lot, and I'm really glad that they kept him 
I do too. And my my end of the episode digression that is entirely born from the observations that you just made, like it it solidified the way I see Deke now. Like he became Balky from Perfect Strangers. Oh my gosh. But not, but not problematic. Yeah. Because like Balky comes from a third world weird version of Greece called Mepos, where it's like he was just walking around holding sheep in like the beginning sequence, and they and you know he has his sign that says America or burst instead of America or bust because oh his English is broken and it's pretty xenophobic. But it's like instead of being from a fictionalized foreign country where they get to make like awful xenophobic Cold War era jokes, like they have him come from this desolate future world, and so it's still like he gets to have that like bright eyed innocence that you get to see from a character that like isn't actually a child or childish or stupid, but like they let go. Like they're just like this world is fucking paradise. And like you said, like everyone else is like, no, it's not. It's not even close. And he's like, oh, compared to what I had, it was paradise. But instead of being like awful and like really hateful towards real life countries, it's like a future that isn't as far away as it probably should be. But 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 like but but a fictional world, you know, but it's like the same thing with using aliens, you know, as a substitute for things like a lot of times it can be really bad. But if done well, I think they actually improved on something that's like a very problematic trope of the of the outsider who loves America or loves wherever they're going because it's so much better than where they're from. Like this is a way to do that, but have it be feel emotionally authentic without feeling like gross. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, oh, this is really harmful <laughs> to real yeah. people. Like, yeah. like there are no real time travel refugees. But also, so it's not, it's not hateful. I feel like it's effective because he's a white dude, first of all, like coming from a, you know, the perspective of dystopia as a white character is like okay well yeah that future is really terrible for you but the present that you're living in is terrible for pretty much everybody else and the fact that we see the shield team like engaging in this terrible world and knowing that they're in a really bad situation like opposed to like his experience you know in the future just i feel like that says something as well (laughs) yeah yeah no this time is terrible too just in a different way and maybe not for you because you are of the... This was prime time for Deke. Yeah, <laughs> prime for the white man because the Cree were not around oppressing everybody. And it was your group of people that were oppressing people. Uh, and so it's like, um, that's interesting. I didn't. I never thought about that until until. We, yeah, and he and he wouldn't have a chance to know that yet. You know, well, and it's funny because next season he fully becomes that. that oh God, that yeah. dude, like the the white guy who just like takes things because he can and like turns it into you know. Your, your Zuckerberg. Yes. Turns into Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, let's end here. Um, <laughs> Yay, episode 100. Congratulations. Two years ago. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah, our friends are married, finally. Yeah. Our fict- fictional friends. Yes. We met a guy who we didn't love, that now we kind of like, and we're going to end up loving after he briefly turns into Zuckerberg, and we hate him again for one episode. <laughs> But it's okay because Mo was his girlfriend. Oh, and she's so funny. Who we also hate, but but love because we know who she really is. Yeah. And, and we don't hate maliciously. It's that also, reality TV, reality TV hate. Yeah. Um, she's very relatable because I too just want boba, and all this <laughs> other stuff is really inconvenient. <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh no, and yeah, being with Deke in any capacity in that in who he was in that world would be a chore. So like being put out all the time is maybe very reasonable. <laughs> oh my god. 
Alrighty, where can people find you? I can be found at I Snow Nothing on social media when I'm on it. Uh, where can you be found? I can be found at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. We are on all the podcatchers. You should go to butwhythopodcast.com and listen to us there if you're a browser listener. We do post embeds. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.